This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi, Brittany. How are you today? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Of course. I'm uh, very excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So before we jump in, I want to give people a little insight of who you are and I just give them your bio. Um, Brittany Carbone, we have here today. She is the founder and CEO of Tonic and the co-founder of Tricola Farms. She founded Tonic in 2017 while working as a personal trainer and health coach on Long Island, New York. Bootstrapping as a solopreneur, she grew the company from a side hustle operating out of her parents' kitchen to a seven-figure business, all while staying true to her original vision and mission of bringing the most healing and the most to the most people. Brittany not only leads an all-female team at Tonic as the founder and CEO, but she also is the co-founder of Tricola Farms, the certified organic farm that has been fueling the Tonic product since 2018. So I hear you're a bad bitch who used to run around New York hustling your bottles of tonic CBD by hand. And now everywhere you go, we can find them all over, not just New York, but all cities across the states. And so I'm just excited to have you here and dig into the story because, you know, I am a psychedelic advocate and educator. I am in the psychedelic space, but what came before us was the cannabis industry really paving the way for normalizing plant medicine as we know it today. So I'm excited to just hear about this journey and um, of not only entrepreneurship, but in a space that was considered a black market, a gray market, and honestly, a very controversial topic and is so normalized today. So Tell me, yeah, I'm tell me. I did about psychedelics taking that same path. It's um, it's so funny to kind of see now. Um, it's like cannabis is, you know, almost like okay, yeah, we accept cannabis now on psychedelics. Like now, this is like the next frontier. Um, so it's yeah, it's really um great that you're getting into it, you know, on the ground floor because it's super important that you know, uh, there's representation across, you know. Um, you know, a diverse range of owners in these spaces um, because they are so um, difficult to get into, you know, kind of we see the um, similarities in, in cannabis, right, and, and psychedelics where the culture can really be corrupted if it kind of gets into the wrong hands and this really sacred medicine totally. and you know, something that's really special can um, really kind of be commoditized or, you know, kind of turn into a, a corporate kind of thing. Um, you know, if we're not, if we're not careful, so being, you know, good stewards of the plant medicine, I think is very important as well. So, um, yeah, it's very excited to, you know, learn about your, um, your company and what you're doing in that space. It's, um, you know, amazing. So without, thank I'll, you. I'll yeah. Interrupt you really anymore. I'm, <laughs> no, please. Like, just a conversation. We're just having a convo. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm plant. I'm plant. I am plant. <laughs> I'm native American. And, um, when I got into my psychedelic journey, well, I was 16 when I really got into psychedelics, but when I got into it more consciously and started having my more adult spiritual awakenings, I was also reclaiming my native American indigenous roots and really learning about my lineage. And it felt like a calling. And that was 12 years ago. And now here we are fast forward to talking about possibly, you know, decriminalizing and legalizing in all different ways and states and, um, and one of the biggest conversations and things that me and a 
my friend Julie, who went to the first psychedelic conference in Miami, noticed was that it was not very well represented. There was no women on the panels. There was like a token woman, a token colored person, and a token shaman. And now it's been two years. We're on our second round of psychedelic uh, conventions here, and we're starting to see more representation. But it really is not that diverse of a space when it becomes commodified. And so I love the work that you're doing in the space to really make sure that there are reparations and people that are being, you know, uplifted, the voices are being uplifted and also represented, um, that you have an all female staff. But before we get into all that, in true entrepreneurial fashion, you started your business out of a need via your anxiety and your own stress. And so you turned to CBD. And I love that you said in your about me that you thought of it as fake weed, because for a long time, my experience with CBD has actually been like that as well. Um, And I think that's because there's so much CBD on the market that is just garbage. And you quickly discovered that. And that's how this whole thing was born, not just of the need that you, and then you discovered that CBD was actually a solution for you, but then digging in, you thought, well, there's not a lot of great quality and I need to be in control of this quality if I'm going to give this to other people. Um, which is how you convinced your family to turn over their family farm into a cannabis farm. So tell me about that journey. Like what, what led you to the point where you were like, I need to turn to something other than the tools that I have it at hand. Yeah, well, you know, cannabis has been something that has helped me um, pretty much, you know, since since I first tried it when I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, it was, you know, lo- love at first hit, basically. Um, you know, uh, I uh, I would say like in my teenage years, like late teens, um, you know, I started to struggle really badly with anxiety. Um, you know, some things going on in my life that just, you know, really triggered that. But you know, um, pretty much my whole life, I would say I was struggling with depression. And, you know, if you ask my parents or, you know, people who knew me growing up, I was like a grumpy kid, right? You know, and whatever, like, but uh, it really wasn't until I was older that I really recognized that as, you know, depression and something that I still live with and still deal with. And, you know, some days are are harder than others. But uh, when I, you know, was first introduced to cannabis, it was kind of just like, okay, this works. You know what I mean? Uh, and I didn't really ask questions. I didn't really care about how it worked. I didn't care. You know what I mean? I didn't become one of those like weed nerds right out of the gate where I was like, you know, I uh, needed to know everything about it. Um, I was just like, no, this works. And, and that's it. I kind of just took it at face value. Right. And, uh, you know, from there, I you know, started to use cannabis a lot to deal with my um, you know, anxiety and depression. And uh, as a teenager, you know, my mom found out, you know, kind of how much I was smoking I actually started drug testing me, um, in high school and, you know, really, um, cracked down on, on me, you know, consuming so much cannabis at a young age and, you know, kind of looking back on it, I understand, right. Moderation and everything like that. And if CBD was accessible at that time, I think I would have had a very different journey, but basically, you know, all of the adults in my life, doctors, parents, counselors, whatever, um, all, you know, were very, very much behind me stopping uh, smoking weed and starting to take Xanax instead. And then I ended up you know, abusing Xanax and have, you know, quickly realized that like, you know, this is so much worse than weed, you know, than weed is and it could ever be, you know, and just like, that was kind of a big like aha moment for, for me, just like in terms of like really internalizing the, uh, 
hypocrisy around, you know, cannabis and like the, the stigma that it has in our culture, um, especially, you know, that was um, like 15 years ago, right? Like, you know, um, it's you know, very much still, um, you know, just seen as like, you know, my friends who were going out drinking all the time were fine. That's normal. But like for me to you know, behave like that with cannabis, that was something that needed to be, you know, addressed. Right. Uh, but then, uh, you know, once I was, you know, got into college and whatever, um, you know, my mom kind of let up and I started, you know, consuming uh, regularly again. And um, then I tr- actually got arrested for smoking weed in my dorm room in college at Penn State. Um, and, you know, that was like another I was just like, you know, I I don't really fit in with the you know heavy drinking crowd that was at Penn State. So I, I transferred to um, to NYU and I started to. Uh, work at Equinox on, on Long Island, just, you know, behind the front desk as, you know, uh, kind of, you know, just have some extra cash and, you know, kind of um, fell back in love with wellness and, you know, fitness, um, something that I kind of like, you know, fell off of, you know, the few years leading up to that. And, you know, really, you know, got back into that world. Um, and I was really struggling um, as I you know, became a personal trainer, um, right, kind of transitioned from the front desk to personal training. Um yeah, I was going to school at the same time and just, there was a lot going on, crazy hours and, you know, the anxiety, like the, uh, just low energy, like my kind of, I have like a more kind of like depressive, like anxiety, right. Where it's like, I have no problem going to sleep at night, right. It's getting up in the morning that, that kills me. Right. It's like that kind of just, you know, low motivation, low energy, um, and that was really difficult in a job where, you know, you have to be high energy. That's what people are expecting. You need to be motivating and, and on and on top of it. So, um, I was finding that like, you know, my just consuming cannabis during the day, I'd say like one hit too many and I was, you know, not really functional for work. Right. Like I would just, it was you know, dissociative and, at that point. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's not like I could go to a dispensary and, you know, choose like the right strain for, you know, daytime and whatever, um, or new. Yeah. Back then it was like, you you hope the drug dealer knew what they were talking about when they said whatever whatever the dealer had. And I just had to, you know, accept that. Right. So like, you know, it was just not, I was realizing it's kind of like not sustainable. Like this is kind of affecting, um, my work day and my ability to kind of, you know, get through my day. So I was looking for natural, you know, solutions, you know, that would help me the way that cannabis had, um, but you know, would be a little bit more like workday friendly. And so that's when I learned about CBD from a friend who was out in California, um, kind of trying to break into the industry out there. And um, he was like, tell me about it. And, you know, as you mentioned, my first take was like, I don't get it. It's fake weed. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can like I consume cannabis every day. Like, why do I need like this different kind of cannabis that's not going to get me high? Right. Like and things like that. Um, and he explained it to me a little bit in terms of just like, you know, no, like the weed that we smoke doesn't really have um, CBD in it. It's all THC and, you know, whatever. And explained it to me enough that I was like, you know what, I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like, why not? And I, my first experience purchasing CBD, I had to go to a, a head shop that was just like, you know, a real kind of like shady experience. It was like 90 bucks for like a 300 milligram glycerin tincture and, you know, whatever. And I, but I started taking it and it was actually one of my clients who I was you know, pretty good friends with. And she said to me, she was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you in such a good mood today? I was like, I am in a good mood. You know, like I'm just like feeling good. And like, it's really started to kind of like notice it and let's start to take notice after that and realize that like, wow, like I really like, not only do I feel like my anxiety is not really like a problem. My energy levels are a little bit better, but like I started to notice my workout recovery was better. Like I just overall was, was feeling 
you know, really good. So I've started to like, okay, I need to understand how this is actually working. Right. And that's when I really dove deep into the science of the endocannabinoid system and CBD versus THC and the difference um, between that and really understanding how this all works. Like I said, like I had just kind of taken it for granted all this time that, you know, that cannabis had, had worked how it did for me and I didn't ask questions, but now asking questions, I was like, how is everybody not talking about this? Like the endocannabinoid system is incredible. Like it's so important. And I can't believe that like, you know, even as like a cannabis consumer for 10 years at that point, I did not, you know, really understand our endocannabinoid systems as somebody who went through college level training in physiology and biology for, you know, um, you know, wow. health, uh, health coaching and nutrition coaching, not no mention of the endocannabinoid system. Right. So, um, while I was kind of on this journey before I um, discovered CBD, I was uh, using different herbs and adaptogens. Like I said, I was trying everything to try to kind of find the solution. And one one thing that I, you know, kind of uh, kept in my routine and felt like I could actually really feel um, a difference from was ashwagandha. Really felt like that was something that really helped my mood and my energy levels. Um, you know, and it was just something that was like a mainstay in my in my routine. So um, as I was, you know, kind of uh, consuming CBD a little bit more regularly, I was like, you know what, like CBD, it's like getting me almost to the finish line, right? Ashwagandha got me like close to the finish line, um, where I wanted to, how I wanted to feel CBD got me a little bit closer. Um, but then it was really like, as I was understanding more about how CBD worked, I was like, well, this is really very similar to ashwagandha in the sense, like, you know, uh, there's debatable whether CBD can be classified as an adaptogen or cannabis can be classified as an adaptogen. But I would say, that it is, um, you know, it's all about bringing you back to balance and helping you adapt to stress um, and maintain a stable internal environment, despite, you know, a, a changing um, external environment, right? So despite all of these things happening um, outside of you all stress and everything like that, you know, the uh, most important thing is to, you know, maintain homeostasis, that ideal state of balance, and all these things that are happening outside of us push us out of balance, right? So um, things like adaptogens like ashwagandha or CBD, they help to you know, strengthen those inner forces. So it's harder to, to push you out of balance, right? That you maintain that stability. So I was realizing that, you know, not only do they work towards this, um, you know, ultimate common goal of homeostasis, but, you know, even the way that they work to both um, relieve anxiety, help, you know, with your stress response, um, mood and things like that, they're both working towards the same goals, but taking different pathways to get there. So basically, you know, you're, uh, ashwagandha is working with like your, uh, HPA axis, um, and like more so like your cortisol levels. And whereas, you know, CBD is, you know, targeting your serotonin levels a little bit more. So there's these different things going on that, um, my kind of, uh, it's usually a flaw of mine this time. It actually worked out pretty well though, is to, to believe that, you know, if some is good, more is better. So I was like, you know what, let's try, you know, combining these two. I started to just kind of make like, you know, rudimentary, um, you know, concoctions and, you know, combining CBD tinctures with my ashwagandha tinctures and just kind of, um, messing around like that. And the results were, you know, exactly what I wanted them to be. They were able to really double down on those effects. And that, like, I started to just share it with my clients because I was realizing that this was something that, you know, was, uh, could help my clients as well, whether their goals were to get stronger, to lose weight, to, uh, feel better, not be in as much pain, whatever the goals might be. Um, a big thing that stands in a lot of people's way is stress. And it is like this, uh, you know, chronic inflammation and this inability to just kind of reach that baseline, you know, balance that, you know, your body needs to get to, to be able to 
you know, kind of build additional health and wellness upon. So um, I started to share it with my clients. They were having amazing results as well. And I was like, okay, this is really something. And uh, I started to develop other blends from there. And, you know, the, the feedback was just incredible. And at this time, you know, it was early 2017. There was really um, not not much uh, like about CBD in the mainstream, right? Like, you know, people who were familiar with, with cannabis and things like that knew about it, but um, there was a lot of confusion. Like the conversation I had to have all the time was just like, no, it's not going to get you high. Like I had to just kind of describe it to people like bare bones, like think of it as like all the medicinal benefits of cannabis without the high, right? Like that's kind of just like the basic way. And people were, you know, concerned about taking it. They were very confused. Right. And it was a lot of education. Um, but then it was really like a great time to, to start because it, uh, kind of allowed me to figure things, uh, a lot of things out kind of before a lot of people were paying attention, you know what I mean? A lot of the, the mistakes that you make as a, as an entrepreneur, you can just kind of, uh, you know, times that by a hundred when you're dealing with an industry like CBD, uh, where it's like, yeah. if I knew what I was getting myself into, I probably would not have even tried, but because I went into it so naive and not really understanding all of the challenges that were, uh, about to, you know, that I was about to face, you know, I kind of went, went into it just full steam ahead. And, you know, luckily I did because it was, you know, kind of the right place at the right time. It's really started to kind of uh, pick up more, you know, more steam, right? Like just CBD in general. And, you know, it was really like, okay, it went from something where I was like, this is something I'm making for me to this is something I'm making for my clients. And, okay, this could be like a great side hustle to, you know, for my clients and and their friends and, you know, friends and family kind of thing. Um, But because, you know, it was just kind of, picking up this momentum in general. And uh, what we were doing was something that no other CBD product at that time was doing, which was combining CBD with adaptogens and superfoods and, and other kind of synergistic herbs to really um, create a, a much you know, more integrative and holistic um, you know, mind-body wellness solution. So um, that was something that was just really unique to Tonic at the time. And you know, it just started to you know, pick up. And I was like, you know what, as I'm like selling this to more people. I'm just getting more and more frustrated with the lack of consistency, the lack of quality, the lack of transparency. You know, there's only a few states producing CBD at that time. So you were very um, limited in terms of where you could get it from and uh, very, very expensive. It was, you know, truly, you know, the Wild West. But uh, that's what really what, you know, made me think like, okay, well, have this property in upstate New York um, and, you know, got the land to farm it. Let's see, like, see uh, what it will take to, you know, grow our own hemp and be able to, you know, fuel our own products and be able to know, you know, exactly, you know, what's going in it, not only the quality, but the intention behind it. You know, I think that that's something, you know, we're talking about like the commodification of, of plant medicine, like yeah. it's the intentionality that gets lost first and foremost yeah. um, in most cases, right? It's like, how do we scale? How do we do, you know, grow, like grow or produce more and more and more um, to, you know, hit the revenue numbers or whatever it is, but, you know, you're losing like kind of the, the point at, you know, uh, there, because it's really, uh, cannabis, it's such an, an energetic plant, right? It, it's like, it's alive and it has, you know, a spirit and it's, you know, uh, that spirit needs to be nurtured and that energy. I truly do believe that, you know, that energy is felt when you're consuming it, right? Like, you know, if this is a, a plant and, you know, something that's meant to, meant to heal, meant to connect, meant to, you know, really have this, uh, positive effect on your, your mind and body, um, it needs to be respected, you know, during cultivation, um, you know, that intention behind, uh, behind it needs to, you know, really, um, 
be working towards that ultimate effect that you want it to have. And, you know, some people might think that that's woo woo, but you know, and they can, they can buy CBD somewhere else. Right. I, I truly believe in it. And it's something that our customers, you know, um, definitely appreciate as well. Um, you know, it's something that we've, you know, really, um, love to be able to do over the years is invite people to the farm and just allow, allow people to have that opportunity to connect to the source of their healing, to connect to, you know, how their products are grown and how it's made and understanding, um, like the, what goes into farming and sustainable farming and, you know, why it's important to take care of our soil and, and all these things. And it's just, you know, getting people to open their minds in that way has just been such a, an incredible bonus to this entire experience, um, that I really didn't, you know, see coming, but, you know, it was, uh, really just, um, again, like right, right place at the right time. And, you know, when these things happen so organically, I think that's when you know that it's kind of meant to be right. Um, so as we were starting to look into what it would take to grow cannabis, uh, grow hemp on our, um, on our farm, um, at that time it was only, you know, open to kind of research institutions. So we were, you know, um, talking, speaking with like, we're right between uh, Cornell university and Binghamton university where we're at upstate. So, um, you know, looking into, you know, uh, working under one of their licenses, you know, research licenses and growing that way. And as we're kind of going through this process, uh, the governor announced that they were, he was opening, you know, um, licenses to private farmers for the first time. So you wouldn't have to be under a research institution. We could get our own license. We could you know, do everything, you know, our way. So we went for it. Um, we were licensed in uh, November of 2017. Um, my husband, you know, uh, really, you know, took, uh, took the reins on the farming, uh, end of things, you know, and, uh, we both just kind of dove head first into, you know, learning all that we could about, about farming and, you know, how to go about this the right way. And, uh, we ended up moving, leaving our full-time jobs on Long Island, um, in, you know, May of 2018, moving up to the farm full-time with my parents, my uncle, my father-in-law, uh, we were all living on the farm together. Wow. Like a commune. Yeah. <laughs> and it That's was, awesome. uh, it was a, a crazy, crazy first year experience, but yeah, that like, yeah, we got a little office space, um, you know, with a little clean room in there to do like our production and, you know, for the, uh, like almost the full, full year that we were first up there, you know, I was still just making all the blends, you know, all the products myself, shipping them out myself, you know, truly like a, a one man show. And then, yeah, we finally got our first employee, um, you know, to help, help me out, you know, making, uh, making the blends and, and everything like that. But it was really just like, you know, kind of, uh, I guess a, a very kind of organic path to, um, to kind of getting all this going and just kind of, uh, following just like, you know, not only what I felt you know, was my passion and what like I could, you know, what I know helped me and, you know, helped other people and just wanting to kind of continue to build upon that, but just really just, um, everything kind of falling into place, uh, you know, with the licensing and everything like that with the, um, kind of momentum of the CBD industry in general, it really, uh, kind of allowed for a very organic growth that, you know, I, I don't think I would have been able to kind of experience if I was to have, you know, gotten started, let's say in like late 2019, right. Where it's like, it's already so, so saturated and everything like that. So, it really gave like a, a super unique opportunity to be able to not just, you know, kind of be on the, the ground level, but really look at like the way that this space is developing and like the you know different players that are coming in the way that it, it's growing and, and building and then being able to really kind of um, 
better adapt the business to it, but also be more mindful and intentional about the way that we're doing things because, you know, it's just uh, a really unique perspective that I think very few people, um, unless you're in, you know, an industry like cannabis or psychedelics or anything that, you know, is really restrictive like that and kind of emerging, so to speak, or emerging in in like the the regulated sense. And uh, it's really like, you know, to go from like being able to see that stark contrast of like, you know, this being completely like underground to like being like the, the first few people above ground to being like, oh my God, like I can't like, you know, reach my arm out without hitting like another fucking CBD store on like the street. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, um, it's a really crazy um, progression in such a short amount of time. Such a short amount of time. I remember I resonate so much with your story. I want to backtrack a little bit. I, um, I really battle with anxiety and depression. I used to battle more with anxiety in my early twenties, mid twenties. And now I battle more as a mom with depression. I think it started as postpartum depression, but really it's just the contradiction of what life used to be as a individual single human having complete freedom over and autonomy over my schedule and lifestyle to now having just restrictions because I'm a mother. Like at sunset, I'm generally inside making dinner for my daughter. So I'm not during golden hour, my favorite part of the day, having a glass of red wine and a conversation with friends. Simple things like that just became not you know, I just wasn't autonomous anymore with my, my schedule. And so just the lifestyle change of that, um, really led me to battling with depression over the last five years and, um, rewind to like 10 or 12 years ago though, my ex and I used to sell massive amounts of weeds, like a lot, like six to $10,000 a week retail. That's like per bag. So it was a lot of people, a lot of customers. And we would say back then we had a clothing company as well. He did. It was his clothing company. And, um, it was in, it was a cannabis clothing company. And we would always tell people cannabis will be legal one day. And this is going to be totally normalized. And, Every, because we could see our cl- our customers, our clients, they were judges, attorneys, police officers, they were waitresses, bartenders, nurses. They were everybody from the bottom to the top of society. And it didn't touch, it, it was, it was in every aspect of society. We could tell people were smoking marijuana. And it was me who brought in the California strains and the more nuanced strains and said like, okay, let's have different variations and let's have jars instead of baggies. And let's, you know, so we started upscaling it and we're like, this is how it's going to be one day. And people just thought we were nuts. They were, they were like, okay, whatever. And so, (laughs) but the weird thing is, is like, I never could really smoke cannabis successfully. I got heightened states of anxiety and paranoia, no matter really what strain I smoked. And nowadays it's different because you can really know what's, know what's going into each strain. You know exactly where it's come from. It's lab tested. It's a lot different, but back then as much as we knew and where we were getting from and sourcing, it was still hit or miss. Um, but I believed in the plant. I always believed in the plant because I saw what it did for other people. I saw how people used it, how people needed it. I knew it was the future. We broke up. I moved on. I became a yoga teacher. So I was in the wellness space, but I was battling with anxiety and motivation. So I really resonate with what you were talking about. It's like, I'm supposed to be the person that's motivating you, helping you reach enlightenment and states of happiness and joy. Yet I'm deeply battling these internal 
states of darkness and shadows. And no matter how much meditation and how much yoga and how many books I read, that was always kind of there. I did reach a place in my life where I healed the anxiety, the majority of it. I would say the undercurrent of my anxiety with my yoga practice, also with conventional uh, therapy, talk therapy, I really got to the root of some of what was driving the anxiety. And I healed it in my relationship, which I don't normally recommend. Usually, if you have a broken, toxic relationship, you don't heal aspects of your health self in that broken, toxic relationship. But because we were both doing the work, we both really healed together these parts of ourselves. And we, instead of sharpening, you know, I, it's kind of like, I always display it as like, you know, uh, instead of two knives sharpening each other, we kind of like softened each other. And so with that we did, and it's called Amago healing for anybody listening. I'm bringing my therapist on soon and we'll have that conversation. So I healed in my relationship, this deep rooted anxiety, which is unbelievable and not the norm. But then as I went on, like I said, I became a mother and the onset of depression entered my life and I'd never really battled with it, but it was Every single day, I still battle with it now, even though I healed a lot of it through microdosing and psilocybin um, and other modalities, there's still this residual there of depression that I just have to balance and nurture and be, you know, sweet and generous with myself and compassionate towards myself and use plant medicines and um, habits really and routines to, to, to deal with. Um, But the point was, is that it all led me back to plants every single time. You know, the modalities, the philosophy, the yoga practices, the therapy, it doesn't create lasting solution if you're consuming things that are going to offset your endocrine system that are going to offset your detox system and your cannabinoid system and all these different systems that are actually our energetic bodies when we're consuming, you know, microplastics and non-organic foods and pesticides and um, processed foods. And so it always leads back to plants for me every single time. And so about two years ago, when I was in the deepest, darkest of my postpartum depression, I said to my fiance, I'm having more bad days than good. I think at this point, I've tried all the things. I've been doing all the plants, like the ashwagandha and the L-theanine and the meditation and the yoga. And I am ready to, I think for a period of time, I need to get on medication because I'm having more bad days than goods and I just can't go on like this. And he had been getting, this was during the pandemic and he'd been getting into um, his own plant medicine journeys. Even though I had experienced ayahuasca, peyote and all these things before I had my daughter, he had now been getting into them with 5-MeO DMT and um, working with in masterminds and things like this. And that was kind of his first foray with really working with mentors and in group conscious settings, right? So he keeps coming home with all these like random things like, I don't know, bag of mushrooms and a little bit of LSD and a little bit of DMT. And he had all these microdoses. And at this point, I had done over 140 ayahuasca and peyote ceremonies pre my daughter. I was just terrified to even take a microdose because I was afraid that I would lose my sense of grounding and reality as a mother 
And I was just afraid. I hadn't done plant medicine like that in any capacity since I'd become a mom. So I said, you know what? If I'm willing to give myself over to Western medicine, I am willing to try the microdosis first. And it was just like... I waved the white flag. And I remember it was like I was in a dark hole on my kitchen floor and I reached up into the cupboard and I grabbed the microdoses. And now microdosing, just like CBD and just like THC, is like to the milligram. You know, it's like so measured. Back taking a microdose 15 years ago, it was like nibbling on a piece of mushroom and hoping you didn't like have a bad trip, you know? And so I took it and the journey was amazing. And I broke this four-year depression. I had a year and a half of feeling like I hadn't felt since I was 25 years old, and it was just incredible. But now fast forward to you can't have those deep spiritual awakenings all the time um, with that kind of deep psychoactive drug. And so now I'm like, okay, and now I'm turning to CBD and going, this is my new frontier, getting back into the cannabis plant. Um, but what what led out of that was saying one day i came home from buying microdoses from you know a guy that i met through a guy and um illegally of course because it's like still not legal and so right. i came back and i told gabe i was like i think that psychedelics or my psilocybin is going to become legal and we need to start a brand and he was like Hell yeah. And so on I am the journey of working in the psilocybin space and just getting to know it. And right now it's advocacy and education and we're working on the back end and it's, it's, you know, still a super gray black market, but, um, really birthed from the same need and exploration, um, just like your story. And so I'm excited to just hear, you know, how this all went for you and get into that. Um, but it's, Amazing first of I, I all. Just, just love that. Love that. Yeah. Love your yeah. story, how you got there. And it's, you know, that authenticity, it it matters. Um, you know, especially it when matters. we're talking about being, you know, um, you know, stewards of these these products and you know, really doing it um intentionally. Um, having that kind of experience that you can speak to. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that that's what everybody's experience is gonna be. It doesn't, you know what I mean? But it just mm-hmm. um gives you a like a deep respect for, you know, what you're working with and, and, uh, a very, uh, grounds you in your why very much, you know what I mean? And like that, I think, um, has been something that I try to kind of, uh, kind of come back to and and remind myself a lot. Um, I think like, you know, lately the past year year or so more than, more than ever is like this kind of concept of grounded growth. And like, you know, like I was saying, when things like come easily, you know, it's when you know that it's, you know, you're in alignment. Right. And like, you know, so our, our tagline for tonic and, you know, fix your vibe. Right. And it's all because, you know, of the, um, really that the magic that happens when you align, you know, mind and body, right. Our products are all about restoring that essential balance, um, you know, between like, you know, mind, body and spirit and, you know, bringing you back to center. Um, and, you know, when you're in that state, you're vibrating at a stronger frequency, you know, you're more aligned with, um, the energy of everything around you. Right. And you're just better able to, um, just kind of flow, right. And access kind of like that low resistance existence, um, as I like to call it. So like that, you know, um, it's been really difficult over the past couple of years. Uh, like I said, like, you know, I would say, um, like by the end of 2019 is really when like CBD, like really exploded, right. It was everywhere. Yeah. The market has expanded. So it's super saturated now. Yeah, So saturated. So like, 
2018 and 2019 were really like our heyday. Like, you know, that's when, you know, really like, you know, we, that head start that we had really paid off um, dividends and, you know, things were, were going really well. Um, but then, you know, come like end of 2019, you know, beginning of 2020, um, you know, start to see a lot of, you know, much bigger companies come onto the scene. Right. And like, it's like, again, like, you know, people who um, are not going to be the risk takers to be like the first into the market, but they're going to, you know, sit back and see, okay, this Capitalize is something off of your work. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, and, and come in and, you know, um, really kind of um, be able to just throw a lot of money into, you know, marketing and, and whatever. And, um, you know, it got really challenging to be able to, you know, to keep up with that. And, you know, with COVID and everything, I think people turned to things like this a lot more, which was, you know, um, like, you know, good for business, but I think more so good for like, just for people recognizing that, like, you know, that there are these natural solutions for like these very difficult times that we were experiencing and, you know, are experiencing. Um, but then, you know, 2020, like, it's just kind of been, uh, like, you know, the CBD business has been getting kind of worse and worse. And you see like these Delta eight products and Delta 10 and, you know, whatever. And like, that's really what's been keeping the lights on for a lot of, you know, the CBD stores who, you know, really, um, kind of experience that boom and bust. And, you know, it's now, now as we're transitioning into adult use in New York, right. Our, our farm, um, you know, we've been growing hemp since 2018, but, uh, this past season, Which adult, grew- adult use for anybody out there, it means legal, legal cannabis, right? Yep. Yeah, recreational legal cannabis. Yep. So, so anybody um, over the age of 18? 21. Or 21. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, 21, that arbitrary <laughs> age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yes, we harvested our first adult use crop this uh, this fall and, you know, we're launching tonic product, tonic THC products um, in New York. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's so challenging um, to exist in, you know, the, in this industry, right? Like, and, and I say industry very specifically, like, you know, it's like cannabis in general, like the people that you meet in cannabis who are like, you know, in it because they love it, like the community, like the energy, like it's amazing, right? Like all of those aspects are amazing, but the actual business, um, it just, it's really difficult. It's just really difficult to navigate, um, the, like, super complicated and ever changing, you know, regulatory landscape. It's uh, really difficult. Like, you know, you're, you're not able to do all the things that a normal business would be able to do. Right. Like, you know, all the kind of easy, you know, advertising and marketing things that, you know, are kind of, I was going to say even advertising and marketing is really complex. There's a lot of red tape. It's really hard to, you know, even reach your audience and reach your consumers and, you know, be able to like have like, authentically market your product. And it's just, you know, um, it just gets really difficult to be, to, you know, to kind of withstand like what kind of feels like a, a constant, like beat down, right? Like you feel like you make progress and it's just like something else changes. It's just like, you know, um, and that's something that has like the reason, one of the reasons that, you know, CBD market has, you know, stalled out the way that it has is because the regulatory landscape has not kept up in the way that we thought or progressed the way that we thought it would. Right. So like, you know, um, in 2018, like figured like, okay, like, you know, by a couple of years from now, like, well, I'm sure like, you know, it'll be a little bit easier. Right. And yeah, it has gotten easier for sure, but we still don't have access to, you know, traditional like banking, credit card processing, um, ad- advertising channels, like, you know, um, like meta Facebook, right. Or you know, Google ads, like, and if you do it, you have to and l- listen, I don't think people know this, this CBD 
a non-psychoactive, and you don't get high, obviously, you cannot advertise on Facebook, you guys. You can't use YouTube ads. I, I know this just because I were working on a, an adaptogen line with uh, a superfood line with uh, mushrooms, legal mushrooms, like reishi, chocolate lines, et cetera. Um, and we were talking with some ad guys and we were just getting some quotes and they were like, we really have to check on the regulations for this because we've worked with a lot of CBD brands and we haven't really been successful. And I was just shocked to learn that. I had no idea. And I don't think most people understand that. And so yeah. there's still stereotypes within advertising and restrictions that are crushing your industry and your yeah. products. Yeah, absolutely. So we get, it's, you know, really, really difficult on the day to day. So if you don't have like a very strong, like why behind, you know, your, um, like your place in, in this, uh, industry, like it, it'll be really, uh, tempting to give up. And like, I've just kind of had to like keep, um, you know, coming back to that, um, the, you know, the why and the why, why I'm doing this and like why it's important and, you know, why it's, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a fight worth fighting, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, you know, uh, again, like the, it's really that the FDA has, um, basically because CBD has been, uh, used as a drug by GW pharmaceuticals. They made a drug called Epidiolex, which is basically CBD in like, it, it's just like a simple CBD extract. It's like mind blowing that they got a patent on this. So they got a patent on it. It was, you know, they did all of the things that you need to do all the money that needs to be paid for it to, you know, uh, like a new drug, you know, kind of status. Right. So basically when that happens, it becomes kind of, you know, protected, right. Like, you know, um, it's a, a drug now, it's not a dietary supplement, but, um, so technically in the eyes of the FDA, the only type of CBD that is, um, like legal is uh, topical applications, right? If you're ingesting CBD, um, you can be marketing it as a dietary supplement because it's technically not a dietary supplement, but you also obviously can't like market it as a, as a drug. So it's like the FDA has kind of taken a stance of kind of not doing much, which has been, you know, this really kind of, which has kind of um, created this holding pattern that we're stuck in, right? So basically because they're recognizing that this is a, a huge market that, you know, it's not, going anywhere that people are going to buy us, you know, whatever, you know, can't stop, you know, can't stop momentum basically. But, you know, they are also, you know, the FDA and I'm like, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist or just kind of somebody who has lost complete faith in these types of agencies. Like, you know, they're obviously, their, their motives are not truly to just make sure that we have the best products and that everything is safe. Right. It's like, protecting the investments of, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. So it's all, you know, know, big pharma is definitely one of the biggest things standing in the way of plant medicine really being able to reach its potential because they are the ones that are putting a lot of money into, you know, making sure that it stays really inaccessible, right. That it's like not something that, you know, people can easily get into this business and start selling it and start, you know, growing, weed at, at their home and, you know, make their own medicine, God forbid. Right. Like, it's just like, you know, all these things, like there are some really big systems at play that are, you know, kind of contributing yeah. to the, the, the challenges that we face, you know, just as everyday operators in these spaces. So like, it's, um, it's been, you know, really hard to kind of, uh, like, you know, just kind of continue to bootstrap our way through things. Like we, you know, we, I bootstrapped this company. So like my husband and I, 
like I said, we moved upstate um, from Long Island. We left our full-time jobs. We had gotten married actually at, at our farm. We you know, got married, renovated the, the barn, and it's actually a wedding venue now as well. After that, we oh, had I the inaugural wedding. Yeah, and uh, so we got married here in 2015. And then, like I said, it was like early 2017, really when I, I started to, uh, you know, started to make these blends and started tonic. And like, you know, it was really at a point where we were, um, you know, considering, okay, we like buy a house, like, you know, have kids, like that's like kind of just the, the kind of neck, like the next, next steps, steps like, yeah. married, right? It's just like, and it's like, you know, we really um, decided to kind of throw that all away and just be like, you know, fuck it, we're going to move upstate and start a farm and do like, yeah, we took basically the money that we were uh, saving out from our wedding, saving up to um, put a down payment on a house. And, you know, if anybody is familiar with Long Island, um, you know, that it is just stupid expensive, like for like, yeah, no reason, just insane taxes. The houses are so expensive. And we were like, fuck, like, you know, we're making like decent money, we still like can't really even afford to like, you know, live here. And, you know, are we even like, do we even want this, whatever? It's like, you know, fuck it, like, let's invest in ourselves. And, you know, we took that money and and started the business. And like I said, you know, we, because we grew so organically, and, you know, really just started small, bootstrapped our way to, you know, seven figures before we got, you know, our first outside investment, which was only a few hundred thousand dollars. And I don't say only, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, a few hundred thousand dollars, but like I said, at that time, we were, you know, um, it was like the same time that Prima raised $3 million and then raised another $9 million a, a year later, right? Like these were the kind of um, raises that you were starting to see in the CBD space at that time, right? Um, so like, and there's you know, plenty of other examples like that. So like, it was, um, you know, now entering into the, the adult use space, like, it's kind of un- unfathomable to be able to really bootstrap. And we're, you know, in the process of trying to, to raise money and, um, you know, really fundraise kind of more meaningfully because of the fact it's just, it takes so many resources just to operate compliantly, right? Just to, you need somebody who's like full-time jobs is to be paying attention to the regulations and ensuring compliance Absolutely. and all the paperwork and all these things that go into it. And there's just, um, like really like understanding. My friend is a CBD. My friend is a CBD attorney, and she just works on compliance and yeah, for a CBD yeah. brand. And it's her full time yeah. job. She spends yeah. forty plus hours a week doing it. It's <laughs> yeah. really intense. I was going to ask, is that and is that what led you to be on the board of New York Cannabis Growers and Processors? Is to like stay in the pulse of this? Like, what yeah. is that role? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So. NYCGPA, New York Cannabis Growers and Processors Association, actually, we rebranded uh, this past well, in 2022 to uh, CANI, the Cannabis Association of New York. Um, and yeah, I started on the board of that um, my last February, but I was the chair of the sustainability committee before that. And really, it's you know, exactly like you said, it's really, you know, not only keeping up with um, the regulations, but uh, influencing them. And really, because basically the, the NYCGPA was really born out of um, like this kind of uh, moment in time where, uh, you know, hemp and CBD in New York um, was about to be regulated in like an insane way. Like, you know, this bill or like what they wanted to do, it just like didn't make any sense. It was just a lot of confusion, lack of clarity. And basically, uh, once again, like, you know, the government kind of standing in the way of, you know, just running a, a, a successful business, right? Like because of the fact that they, we're so um, ignorant to, you know, the realities of 
of the plan of via the business and kind of what went into it. So it was really kind of um, like the founders of the association who are you know, good friends of ours. We had started out together, um, you know, among the, this first group of licensed um, hemp farmers in the state, um, you know, basically like need to do something and like start with like educating the, you know, the, the people who are creating these regulations and making sure that they understand, you know, what the actual kind of realities of operators are and like how to kind of look at this, like through that lens. Um, and they're able, to, they're able to, you know, really get, um, uh, a lot of things changed in those, you know, initial, um, hemp regulations and kind of form this really strong relationship with, uh, the regulators in the state and, you know, uh, after the MRTA, which is the uh, legislation that, you know, legalized cannabis officially in New York state, which, you know, passed, um, in, uh, March of 2021, um, you know, that was really like a big, you know, kind of shifting moment for us where like we started to shift our focus away from not away, but, you know, um, to include, you know, adult use cannabis as well as hemp and, you know, really expand, um, to, really make sure that now, because this kind of new entity called the Office of Cannabis Management that was, you know, created to manage the adult use program in New York, um, they're also taking over like the cannabinoid hemp program as well. So now there's this like new entity that would be, that will be kind of governing all of these operations in New York. So, um, you know, really kind of just leaning into the uh, foundation that we'd already built to be able to advocate, you know, not just for ourselves and for, you know, um, you know, cultivators and processors, but retailers, distributors, people, and, you know, ancillary, ancillary businesses, and just making sure that, you know, that, uh, regulations really allow for, uh, uh, like a robust, diverse, sustainable industry, because it, it is so much about the regulations, right? Like, um, and honestly, the state can only do so much, um, within the kind of federal framework, right? This greater kind of federal picture that we're talking about, right? Like, we're not going to you know, be able to access um, banking as a cannabis business until things change on the federal level, right? Like things like that, there's just going to be certain things that are always going to be more challenging until things change on that you know, larger federal landscape. But uh, you know, through, um, through my position at Canny, it's been really uh, great to be able to kind of have that more, um, at least like a semblance of control, right? You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, uh, part of the conversation where you don't feel like you're completely like a victim to these regulations, but like actually engaging um, in the work that needs to be done to shape them and to help to, you know, um, educate um, stakeholders, regulators, you know, people all, all across the space to really make sure that, you know, people are, you know, understanding what's going on, taking action to, you know, see change where, um uh, create change where they want to see change and, you know, really, um, getting people to understand like basically the importance of, um, you know, really kind of well-directed advocacy, right. And like how to really yeah. kind of make, uh, make things move in the right way, which is something that, you know, I, I don't consider myself a political person whatsoever, you know, and I mean, I would never, um, never have guessed that I would, you know, be on the, a chair of, uh, you know, on the board directors of a, a association like this and doing like the work that I'm doing. But I think that, you know, you can probably speak to this as well, that, you know, when you're in a space like this, like you don't have it, you almost don't have a choice, but to become, yeah. an ad, become political because you have to be like every day you are advocating for your business to exist, right? You are like, yeah. you have to be active and like, you know, actively working like to, you know, just allow for you to, to do business, to, to do what you want to yeah. do. Um, it's a constant battle and it's, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of obstacles that we're up against, but, you know, I think it's, uh, 
really important. And I think like cannabis, cannabis people in general, right. It's just like, you know, from like the most basic, like, you know, kind of hippie sense of it is just like, you know, very kind of like, we're, we're always been advocating for this plan and trying to convince people like, no, 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 like, it's not what you think. Like, it's, you know, it's not what they're telling you. And it's like trying to like get people to understand that just even like friend to friend, right. Or to your family or to whatever it is. Um, so like you're, even if, when you don't realize it, like, you know, you, there's a, like a part of you as a, a lover of this plant that, yeah. you know, has always, always been kind of, um, doing that work and just totally. like how to really like direct that in the right way. Um, it really can create change, but it takes, um, a lot of people kind of, you know, working in tandem. So the, uh, yeah. you know, truly, you know, community is one of the most you know important things to me, important things like, you know, I feel, um, gives small businesses in this space a chance, um, is, you know, really creating like coalition building, bridge building, right. And, um, creating partnerships across the supply chain and, um, working together cooperatively, um, because, you know, we're not each other's competition, right? Like think about how many people sell weed that you don't even like realize, right? Like everybody totally. has their, their plug, right? And so like, yeah. there's, there's plenty of room, right? Think about how many people are going across New York city on a day to day delivering cannabis to somebody like there's room for, totally. for all of us, but like our competition is corporate cannabis, right? Like it has to, yeah. like, and I don't like to create like an us versus them kind of, but it's like, that's our competition. It, like, because those are the people who will drive down prices to the point where nobody else can compete. Um, and like, you know, really, um, have the resources to skew the playing field, you know, um, to a, a very intense degree. So like, and you know, you know even on the user, even on the user end, the corporate cannabis is not going to be integral. It's going to be depleting our resources. It's not going to be um, integral for you as the user. And it's not going to be sustainable to our environment, you know, growing indoor versus growing outdoor, you know, creating jobs versus taking jobs in house. It's just in general, it's not just for the brands and the businesses and the farmers and the people in the industry that it creates a problem with. It's problematic for the end user and and, this, and society. And everybody needs to know these things. That goes for cannabis. That goes for growing corn. I mean, it goes for it goes Absolutely. for all of our farmers. And so it's it, this speaks to so much more than just the cannabis industry. It speaks to you know industrial farming. It speaks to corporate industries in all different lineages. So I think yeah, the work you're like doing is, in, is incredible to stay educated and advocated and really yeah. explain these nuances to people. Absolutely. And like, you know, social equity is another thing that, you know, has, um, you know, uh, is a very big focus of, of cannabis, right. As it should be, um, you know, the war on drugs, you know, is a war, it was a war on black and brown people more than anybody else. Um, it was a, a racist war, you know, it's just, um, definitely social equity needs to be at the forefront of these conversations, right? Like, you know, I love, you know, like you said in the beginning, connecting, connecting like your, your native American roots, you know, with your, the, your plant medicine experiences and like really like looking at, you know, the, the roots of these traditions and, you know, where, where it comes from and um, unpacking all of that culturally. Right. And all the things that go along with it. Um, and like, there's, you always get the people who are like, Oh, well, this is just, you know, free market capitalism, like, you know, the, the best price will be like, you don't need social equity and, and blah, 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 whatever. But really like, it's, you know, the looking at like all of these problems exist in every other industry, like you said, but I think why cannabis becomes such like a 
fantastic like case study to really like such a case study through Mm -hmm. is because it is we're building something brand new all these other industries it's like we've kind of as kind of just like become like dogma right it's something that we just accept without really questioning it because it's just the way things are these industries have been around for a really long time and it's just the way that we know them to be but now we're at a place where we're building something new right or really kind of taking something from the underground above ground, you know, into, you know, into uh, the marketplace. And, you know, there is this opportunity to build it completely differently than we've built other things before. So it becomes like a really great kind of prism to look at all these, you know, kind of issues through and really say, like, how do we really, you know, start here and, you know, ripple out, you know what I mean? And really, um, in terms of the, like, creating this um, movement of conscious consumerism. And, you know, I think, you know, cannabis consumers are already a a little bit more, you know, people who are open to plant medicine are going to kind of have a a bit more of a natural inclination towards these more kind of conscious consumer behaviors. So it's really about kind of educating and making sure that we are um, putting our best foot forward in the way that we are speaking about these products, the way that we're creating them, the way that we're bringing them to market. Um, Because, you know, um, the, if we allow them to be corrupted, they will become like everything else. Right. And we will, you know, 20, 50 years from now, just be like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's five major cannabis companies and they supply all of the cannabis. And there's like mm-hmm. a few other, you know what I mean? Like, like the beer They're all industry, genetically right? modified. They're all yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, it'll, it'll become like everything else. So, you know, it's really um, a super like unique opportunity right now. And that's what keeps me, you know, very motivated. Um, you know, my, role like obviously like you know tonic is you know it's my baby and it's like my my life right and it's um what I love to do but my my role in this space I feel has become much more about um the bigger picture you know what I mean like you're like a space holder exactly you're a space holder and you're it's bigger it's bigger than it's bigger than one brand it's bigger than one farm it's you know this is really like an opportunity to to make change and to, you know, um, affect the kind of the way that people will be consuming cannabis, you know, 20 years from now. Right. And like really thinking about that and, you know, it's, uh, like I said, it's not easy, but I think that it's work worth doing for sure. It's beautiful. Okay. To wrap up this conversation, what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Hmm. I would say, you know, taking the leap to, um, you know, starting this company and moving up to the farm and, you know, really uh, just abandoning that kind of expectation that, you know, we, um, we had to, you know, kind of take that more traditional path of, you know, getting a house in the suburbs, it's already a family and um, just really, you know, not being afraid to, to take that leap in a way that, you know, is not the norm. Um, I think even when I, you know, decided to become a personal trainer, that was even, you know, uh, seen at, yeah, we met, met with some resistance because I had, you know, people that were like, you're going to NYU and you're going to, you know, just be a, a, a personal trainer and it's a, uh, an unstable career and, you know, blah, 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 all these things. And I was kind of just like, whatever, it's what I want to do. You know, it's what makes me happy. And like, like, you know, being able to even something like that, where I was like, I loved it. And like, I loved what I was doing. Um, and like, it was like a kind of act of defiance to even do that, but even just like, yeah, five years later, you know, um, being honest enough with myself to be like, maybe this isn't the right thing. I'm like, you know, not being afraid to 
change it all up and really to say like, you know, now this is what's going, what makes me happy. This is what I feel like my path is. And just, um, you know, kind of, you know, fucking the, fucking the haters and, you know, kind of, uh, not paying attention to everybody on all the reasons, um, why you shouldn't do something. And, you know, all the people who tell you that it's crazy and really just, uh, listening to, to yourself, to your gut and, you know, kind of what, what's important to you and, you know, not being kind of too tied down to the decisions you've made in the past, um, you know, but allowing that to just kind of feed your experience going forward and, and not getting, uh, feeling like that's something that, you know, I made this decision, you know, and so now this is my life forever, but, you know, just being open to, um, new ways to be able to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, give, give your gifts to the world, right. That's what it's all about. Totally. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for your time and being with us. Um, where can we find tonic CBD and all your so products? You can find us tonicvibes.com. Um, and also on Instagram at tonic vibes underscore. And, uh, yeah, everything you need to know. And how on can the we support your work at Tricola Farms? You can uh, also follow along on Instagram at Tricola Farms New York. It's T R I C O L L A. Um, and yeah, definitely stay tuned. We will be launching our uh, THC products in New York um, like mid February. So definitely stay tuned, sign up That's for exciting. our newsletter, uh, follow us on social, and we'll be um, you know, dropping some uh, more news about you know when and where you'll be able to purchase those um, THC products. But you know, CBD products, you can get everything at tonicvibes.com. We ship to all 50 states, free shipping, uh, you know, lots of deals going on. So whatever you need, we got it. And I love the quiz you have on there. I'm going to put that in the show notes for everyone. And I just literally filled my cart yesterday. I need to go back and check out because I am like, after reading your bio and like doing all the research, I was just like, that's what's missing from my day to day is, is a really good full spectrum, honest, integral CBD product. Cause I do the ashwagandha. I got the L-theanine. I have the microdoses, but I think CBD is my new frontier. I know everyone else has like been doing this a while, but I just, <laughs> I think I tried so much garbage like in the beginning that I just yeah. wasn't sold on it. But really after digging yeah. into your work, I, I trust and I feel it's so integral. So thank you for the work that you do in your well, space. Thank you, you for swap because I would love, I would love to try I your got product. You. So yeah, we'll, gotcha. we'll uh, do a little barter system. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. Have an amazing day. Thank you. Every week we have a reoccurring se segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Listen, we just had an amazing, inspirational, really insightful conversation with Brittany Carbone and my takeaway is that in, no matter what industry you're in, you have to be a space holder. What if we approach our industries and approach our businesses as work of advocacy? Because I believe in every industry, there needs to be a sense of responsibility of what you're putting in, what you're leaving behind, and what you're literally keeping out, your boundaries, right? We are space holders. And so how can you be of service to your industry? Shop tonicvibes.com. I was just hanging out there yesterday in her shop and it is so full of aesthetic, delicious goodness. I literally filled my cart with like 15 items. She has skincare, CBD, tinctures, 
and all sorts of goodness, please go check it out, tonicvibes.com. And while you're there, do take your quiz to find out your perfect CBD match, personalized recommendations to determine your ideal tonic blend. And what I love about Brittany's tonics are that they are not just CBD and they are not just full spectrum hemp, which is very important when you're in the realm of CBD, but they are also filled with adaptogens, like she said, ashwagandha and others. And so they're not just working from one end, they're working from another. And that is unmatched in this industry to find that kind of integrity from growing the hemp to creating these products with not just CBD, but additives like adaptogens. So I am on the bandwagon. You should join me too. And I will see you next week. Please subscribe, share with anybody you feel this podcast would resonate with, and let me know how you enjoyed it. Have a great day.